Good morning, everyone. Well, everybody who brought a guest today is probably like, oh, man, the pastor's not here. Look, he'll be back next week, okay? Um, so I'm so thankful to be able to do this. Um, and if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be starting at the 24th verse. If you have the Bible app on your phone, please turn there with me. I would love for you to see this because this is the Word of God. And it will not be my words that speak to you. It would be these. Um, so Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. If you would stand with me in reverence to God's word. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as who had authority, not as their scribes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for uh, Jesus. I thank you for sending him to die on the cross for our sins, uh, to purchase our full salvation. Lord, I ask that you would speak to the hearts in here today uh, that are not built upon you, God, that you would draw them to build their life on you. It's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Okay, so uh, right out of the gate, I think it would be fitting for me to help set the tone of today's text by remembering the context of this Sermon on the Mount. And so, shortly after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus left Nazareth and went to the district of Galilee to live in Capernaum by the sea. When he moved there, he began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus has been throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction among the people. And because of this, his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And great crowds began to follow him. And seeing the crowds, Jesus one day went up onto a mountain and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Teaching them what life looks like for a disciple in the kingdom of God. And he does so with such authority that the crowds are astonished. You see, these crowds were used to authoritative teaching used to teaching from their scribes, uh, which was, uh, these guys are, are Old Testament law experts. Uh, they are experts at applying Old Testament law. Um, they, um, they took care of the scrolls on which the Bible was written, but when the scribes taught, they taught without authority. They often just cited the opinions of other rabbis. So, in Matthew chapter 7, here 
we find the crowds that are astonished by Jesus' teaching because he's speaking with such authority. And the word that the writer of Matthew's gospel uses in the Greek is exousia. This word is typically used to speak of God's own authority. And so, Jesus is teaching this Sermon on the Mount with God's own authority. And yes, he does cite um, the, those who taught the law, but he cites those who only taught the law in chapter 5 to correct their misinterpretations of the law. And so here, we have Jesus speaking with the authority of God because he is God in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. And Jesus concludes this hillside sermon by using a parable. I don't know if you know what a parable is, but I'm going to tell you, so you're going to know. A parable literally means to throw alongside. And so it's a a story that would be told, um, and it's a a truth in that story that uh, this, this earthly story that they're telling would illustrate. Maybe I should just be a little bit more clearer. Um, It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so in this parable, Jesus draws our attention to a few characteristics of what the life of a disciple in the kingdom of God looks like. In this section of the text, I think we find a summation of the Sermon on the Mount think that all the things that Christ calls us to do can be put under uh, these headings. And not only does he show us what life should look like as a disciple in the kingdom of God, but he tells us what it should not look like or what it does not look like as a disciple in the kingdom of God. And so let's just dive right in. Um, in this parable, you'll see that there are two builders. They represent the two ways to respond to the words of Jesus. One is wise, the other is foolish. They both, both of these builders build a house. That is, they are building a life. Uh, they both have the same information to work with. That is, they have both heard the words of the Lord Jesus. And uh, their houses are both hit by a storm. That is, they have built a house. That is, the house that they have built and the foundation that they are trusting in are, be, are tested by trial, suffering, and judgment. And it is by God's grace that we can know these things, that we can know what life uh, is supposed to look like as a disciple of Christ and what life does not look like as a disciple of Christ. This is a good thing. This is a very good thing. And so let's just jump right in. Uh, number one. This would be the three characteristics of the life of a disciple in the kingdom of God. The life of a disciple in the kingdom of God, I believe, is characterized by hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. Hearing the words of Jesus and doing them. How we respond to Jesus' words determines whether or not we are wise or whether we are foolish Verse 24 says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, I find it very interesting the the words that Jesus has used to describe these two men. One is wise, one is foolish. Now, 
We're, we're starting with the wise guy. And so when you think of a wise man, um, I don't think this is the definition that you would normally go to. See, normally when I think of a wise man, I think of a guy who's older than dirt with a long pointy gray beard and a robe and maybe a dunce hat. So it looks like I'm thinking about Dumbledore. Uh, you think of somebody who is really smart, someone who knows a lot, someone who just is really intellectual. But this is not the definition that we find here. You see, the Greek word that is used for wise is phronimos, phronimos. And it means to act in a way that is appropriate to the circumstance or situation. It means to act in a way that is appropriate for the circumstance and the situation. And so, Jesus describes the one who hears his words and does them as one acting appropriately, as one acting or responding in the fitting way to the call of God. Man, that's good stuff. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 9.10 tells us this. The, Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or what? The revering of the Lord is the beginning of acting and living rightly in the sight of God. And so it could be said of the wise man that he hears, he reveres, and he does. He hears, he reveres, and he does. Right response to the word of God begins with hearing and revering the God of the word. Right response to the word of God begins with hearing and revering the God of the word. Now, I also think it's very interesting. Uh, it just stuck out to me, and maybe it's just because of, of the way that our culture is today. Um, truth has hardly any value to uh, folks today that are not believers. I mean, it's kind of just like, a, you believe that, I believe this. Uh, you know, it has no value. But here we find Jesus drawing a line in the sand. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. He is saying there is an appropriate way to respond to my words. There is an appropriate way to respond to my words. He doesn't let us off the hook. He would not conclude this hillside sermon by saying, hey, take this if you want it. Don't, if you don't want it, go live out your own truth. That is not how he ends this sermon. He draws this line. Jesus is speaking with the divine authority of God, saying there is a right way to respond, and it is to hear my words, and it is to do them. This is the response of the one who is wise, the one who acts appropriately, to hear these words and do them. Now then, Maybe some of you have been here for every sermon that has been on the Sermon of the Mount. Um, and you think, yeah, Tyler, I've heard these words. I got you. I got them. I hear them. What am I to be doing? What is it that Jesus is calling me to do? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Jesus has called us, and this will be a recap from last week to the very beginning, backwards. So Jesus has called us to 
do the will of his Father in heaven, which is to look on the Son and believe in him. He has called us to place our faith in him as Lord and Savior, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, to ask of God and trust that God is, God the Father is good, to con- not condemn others, to part ways with our sin, to judge rightly, to not be anxious about our lives, but instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to live with eternity in view by laying up treasures in heaven, to not seek the praise of others, but to seek intimate fellowship with our Father in heaven, to love our enemies, to pray for them, to go the extra mile, to be faithful and true in what we say, to not fantasize about life with another spouse, to reconcile with our brothers and sisters, to strive for a righteousness that exceeds the scribes and Pharisees, that is a righteousness that is of the heart and the life, to live in such a way that others give glory to God. That is what hearer-doers are called to be doing. That is what a disciple uh, in the kingdom of God is to be doing. These are our building materials as a disciple of God. These are our building materials. Let's move on. The one who, this is the other man in Jesus' parable. And the one who represents the one who hears the words of God and does not do them. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now this word in the Greek, foolish, is moros. And I told the first service this and I just, it cracks me up because I'm really hoping that this is the word that we get moron from. But I'm not 100% certain. I just, that's just me. Um, the Greek word moros. And it describes the one who is godless. The one who disobeys the will of God. And is, uh, will be severely judged. Jesus describes the foolish man who hears, the words of, who hears his words and does not do them as disobeying the will of God. And acting irreverently or impious towards God. He, this man represents the unbeliever. This man represents the one who says, I have faith and you have works. This man represents all who do not put their faith and trust in Christ. They, this is the foolish man. So I want you to notice something about what Jesus has done here. He says there is an appropriate way to respond to my words. And he says that if you do not respond appropriately to my words, then you're disobeying the will of God. So what has he done? He's saying this, there is no neutral in responding to God and the gospel. There is no middle ground that you have to stand on. There is no middle ground that we have to stand on. We either respond in obedience to the will of God or we respond in disobedience to the will of God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But the, the rest of it says this, Fools despise instruction and, it, and wisdom. It says the fool despises it. This is not a neutral feeling 
to the wisdom and instruction of the Lord. This is not a neutral feeling. This is a deep uh, feelings of contempt. Feeling that, that what is being said is beneath consideration. It's worthless. It's deserving of scorn. And so, the foolish man in the parable, Jesus' parable, despised the instruction to build his house on the rock. The one who hears the call to be and live as a disciple of Jesus and does not rejects the call of God and God himself because he despises it. There is no neutral. There's no just indifferent. I don't care either way. No. There is respond appropriately, respond in disobedience. So, unbeliever in this room, this is a description of you. And I hope you feel the weight of this. Is that Jesus, God in the flesh, has said there is an appropriate way to respond to me. It is impossible to respond to it is impossible to be neutral in regard to the gospel and uh, in your rebellion if you are an unbeliever if you are one who does not do uh, you have a deep need to be arrested from the path that you're on that leads to nothing but destruction and guess what Christ has purchased your full forgiveness so come freely do not think about how, how bad you have been. Come. Come to Christ. Receive full pardon. Come to Christ. Build your life upon Him. And believers, this passage is not just about salvation. There are implications for sanctification in here as well. As followers of Jesus, as disciples in the kingdom of God, we are called to trust and obey, to hear the words of our Lord and do them. We are called to do this. Friends, do you find yourself believing, hearing the words of Jesus, believing in him and doing them in all that he has called you to do? Second characteristic that I think we see in uh, a disciple in the kingdom of God is that they build their life upon the word of God. They've built their life upon the word of God. We are all building lives either on rock or on sand. These two men in Jesus' parable have both built houses they might have even been similar to one another. They might have even been in the same neighborhood. They've been hit by the same storm. But there is one major difference. And it is the foundation that they have built upon. You see, the wise man has built his house on the rock. Jesus says, the one who hears my words and the one who does them builds on a rock-solid foundation, an immovable foundation. Jesus points us to his words as this rock-solid foundation. But make no mistake, 
Paul isn't contradicting Jesus when he says in 1 Corinthians that for no one can lay a foundation other than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. You see, the teachings of Christ are inseparable from Christ himself. And so, to build on the word is to build on Jesus. And if you have separated the teachings of Christ or lessened them or added to them, you do not follow the biblical Christ. Listen to what the Lord has to say in Isaiah 28. This is God speaking of the rock that, that is to be our foundation. It says this, Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious stone, of sh- a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be disturbed, or will not be in haste. He says, behold. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like what we just talked about in John 6, 40? The one who will do the will of, of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him will uh, have, should have eternal life and be raised on the last day? The one who beholds the Son, the one who looks on Him, who values Him, who builds their lives upon Him, who wonders at Him. This is the call of God regarding this foundation that we are to build upon. Behold, He says, I have laid, I am the one who have laid a foundation in Zion. This rock that we are to build upon has been placed by God himself. It is God himself. It is the work of God. You and I are unable to lay such a foundation as this. But God is able, and he has done it. It is Christ Jesus. He is the stone. He is the tested stone. The one who has been tempted and tried in every way, yet remained without sin. Doesn't that sound similar to the fourth chapter of Matthew where Jesus is tempted by Satan in the wilderness yet remained without sin? Jesus is this stone. He is tested. He is the precious cornerstone. The cornerstone, if you don't know, is the one stone in the building that makes all others right if it's laid properly. They are at the right angle if this cornerstone is laid the right way. So friends, God makes no mistakes. He has laid this foundation that we are to build upon. It is the spotless Lamb of God. And those who build their lives upon Him have right standing with the Father. They have right standing with the Father. And then the last thing it says of this stone is it is of sure foundation that whoever believes will not be in haste or will not be disturbed. Friends, Jesus is this stone. He is the sure foundation that we are to build our lives upon. He was sent to do the will of the Father and indeed did it. He was tested, tried, proven. He is 
perfectly precious. He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is this stone that God speaks of as a sure foundation, the one that we must build our lives upon. And so the one who hears the words of Jesus and does them builds upon this Jesus, builds upon this stone, this immovable stone. But I am sad to say that the foolish person does not build here. The foolish person builds elsewhere. The foolish man hears the words of God, hears the good news of the gospel, and decides to build somewhere else. The sand that Jesus is talking about here is not just one other place to build rather than building on Christ. Friends, it is all other places that we would build our lives if it weren't for the grace of God changing our hearts. This is all other places that we would build our lives. This is status that we have built, as our, that we have put our founda- as our foundation. This is money. This is our own logic. This is our spouse. This is our children. This is our moral- own morality. This is our selfish giving, selfish praying, selfish fasting. This is uh, concern- being concerned about what we look like on the outside and, and what that looks like as our foundation. This is what sand looks like. This is simply put, if Christ is not your foundation, then it is sand. If the biblical Christ is not your foundation, then you have built upon sand. But there's a call to come. Come, build on Christ. Come, build on Christ. Come, build on Christ. You see, the foolish man builds his house on the sand. In the summer months around the Sea of Galilee, the sand would get very hard. Uh, And the sand at that time gave an appearance of stability. But the wise man in that day knew that he would have to dig deep. He would have to dig very deep to get to the bedrock uh, to build his house. That, That is where he would found his house. That is where his foundation would be. And so, friend, do you find yourself building upon something other than Christ that seems stable? Whatever it may be, status, money, your own logic, uh, children, spouse, own morality, do you find yourself building there? Because let me tell you this, This man is foolish in Galilee because the rainy seasons come. The floods come. The winds come. And they blow and they beat against the house that he has built. They blow and beat against this house they had built. And it washes away. Isaiah 28 also speaks to the man who has built his house on the sand. You see, the rulers of Jerusalem at that time of Isaiah 28, um, they have been extreme in their rejection of God. Uh, So much so that they have 
made a deal with death. They have made a covenant with Sheol, is what it says. Um, that when the overwhelming scourge or the overwhelming whip, is how Isaiah puts it, passes through, that they think they will not be touched by it. And so this overwhelming whip and this overwhelming scourge is the judgment of God because of their sin. And God says this about them. He says that you have made lies your refuge. You have made, in falsehood, you have taken shelter. This is exactly the truth of the one who hears and does not do. They have made for themselves this same refuge, this same shelter. It is a shelter of falsehood. It is a shelter that is not stable. It is a shelter that lies to you. Whatever that is outside of Christ that you cling to, that you build your life upon, it is a refuge that is built on lies. It is a lie. You're taking shelter in a falsehood. And when the overwhelming whip or when the overwhelming scourge or when God's judgment comes, it will not stand. It will not stand. It will not stand. I think the last thing that I want to bring out in this section is that there is an element of trust to placing your house on a foundation. I imagine the wise man in this story, and you can read over in Luke, that um, it said, Luke chapter 6, 47 through 49, um, I believe that's right. The wise man says he, he hears these words of mine, and he digs deep. He digs deep. And I can just imagine this man digging, 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 and then finally, clink, there it is. Man, joy probably strikes in his heart. He's like, finally I've made it there. Uh, so then he clears out an area, whatever size I assume he wants his house. And I can see him doing something along these lines. Making sure that it's firm. Making sure that it's sure. And in that moment, when he sees that it doesn't move, he says, all right, let's build a house. And let's build it on this. Let this be our foundation. I think this just goes to show you the foolishness of somebody who would build their house on sand. Because my toddler, he weighs 30 pounds, and as soon as he steps off the boardwalk at the beach, he's ankle deep in sand. He's ankle deep in sand. When the, when the, the ocean... Uh, when the waves come up and the wake hits the sand, it drags it out. When the winds blow, all y'all been on the beach when the wind's blowing, not fun, is it? Because it's like stinging rocks hitting your face. The sand just blows away as the wind blows. Building your house on something compared to that versus Christ is foolish. It makes no sense. And it's disobedient to what God calls us to build upon. And the final thing, the final characteristic of um, the life of a disciple in the kingdom of God. I believe it's characterized by weathering the storms of life with an unusual stability. With an unusual stability. 
Verse 25 says this. It says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. When the cornerstone or the foundational stone is set, the whole building is stable. It lasts through the many storms of nature, through the winds, through the rains, through the floods. They blow and they beat against this house. But because the cornerstone, the foundational stone is perfectly set, the building withstands the storm. The total weight of the building rests on this cornerstone. There are many storms that we go through in life. I listened to DeAndre's sermon in preparation for this. I don't know if you guys remember that sermon. I believe it was in James chapter 1. And he said something along these lines. He said, everyone in here is either coming out of a storm, in a storm, or going into a storm. And I find that true. So, if you have just come out of a storm in life, did you see an unusual stability? If you're in one right now, do you see this unusual stability? Will you weather the oncoming storm with an unusual stability? And I know when I say those words, it, it sounds insensitive in a way. But let me clear up this definition a little bit of what I mean by an unusual stability. I don't mean a stoic, superhuman ability to put on your happy face and not care about how tough life is right now. Because the truth is, being beat against by trial, sin, suffering, and judgment is tough. It truly is. There are many days that are full of hurt. There are many days that are filled with tears and frustration. There are many days that are filled with trembling. Many days filled with questions. Many days, if we're honest, filled with doubt. Band, if you want to come back up. I'm reminded of the story of a boy who was shipwrecked. The storms raged all night against the boat that he was in. And eventually the waves got too big. The storm raged on too long and turned the ship over. And this boy was thrown from the boat into the water. And he washes up onto the rocks. And he sits there. And he trembles all night in the storm. He sits on that rock. The next day after the storm breaks, the, the rescuers come and they find him. And they pull him into their boat and they say, Son, they say, did, you, did you tremble all night? And he said, yes, I trembled all night long, but the rock 
never moved. That is an unusual stability. Believers, we have this as our foundation. On the day that the Lord calls us home and we stand before God, we may be missing shingles, we may be missing shutters, we may be missing siding, we may be missing windows, but man is our foundation sure. And that pumps me up. I am so thankful that God preserves those who are His to the very end. Unbeliever in this room. The story doesn't end the same for you in Jesus' parable. It ends like this. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. And great was its fall. And the reason that it fell is because it wasn't founded on the rock. And that is true for you. And one day you will face God. And in the current state that you're in right now, you will not withstand His judgment. What you've built your life on will not withstand His judgment. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to end like that. Because there was a man, the man who said this very parable, named Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came to this earth, lived the perfect life, the perfect sinless life that you nor I could live or would live because we despised it as foolish people. He died the death on a cross that we deserved for our sinfulness. He paid the price that we should have paid. And he rose again on the third day, securing and accomplishing the full salvation of anyone who would believe. Yes, you, unbeliever, in this room, you, would you believe it? And it is with that mindset that the table will be open. Remember what the Lord Jesus has done, believer. Unbeliever, please do not come to the table. I'll be down here if you want to talk. Um, there are elders here who would love to speak with you. Give your life to Christ. Don't waste another moment. Build upon Jesus. Amen.